Have you heard some people saying these days that they are drinking more during quarantine? Our Jason Stujanki looked at the numbers and found that alcohol sales are up dramatically. So he set out to find out why. Any alcohol? Yes, actually, uh, two bottles of wine and beer. It's like a big inside joke right now with a lot of people on the inside. Many aspects of our culture have changed due to COVID, one of which is working from home, as many of us have had to adapt to online conference calls and working in our pajamas. However, there is another aspect of our culture which may have seen a change under COVID, and that is of drinking. If you've seen those posts of quarantinis, then perhaps you know what I'm talking about. And the comedy writer Emily Murnane summed up our new drinking culture at the start of quarantine by stating, Days are now divided by coffee hours and alcohol hours. Because to be honest, living in social isolation and quarantine isn't easy for most of us. But in all seriousness, we could see serious implications in society for our immediate and long-term health, both physically and mentally, as a result of this new COVID-19 drinking culture. Hi, my name's Sam Breakgear, and welcome to Brains Bite Back. This is your weekly podcast cocktail on everything related to psychology, technology, and our society. To better understand and observe this change in our drinking culture, Rose Marie Ward, a psychology professor at Miami University, based in Ohio, set out to analyze the prevalence of publicly available tweets in the USA referencing alcohol-induced blackouts prior to and during the COVID-19 outbreak. We invited her on the show to discuss how this study was conducted, what the research indicated, and the wider applications of this study. And in this episode, you will learn how the quarantine could form alcoholic tendencies, which parts of the US drink the most, and the impact of alcohol use among healthcare workers during previous SARS outbreaks. We hope you enjoy the show, and if you do, please let us know on Twitter at, at the Sociable, or leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. So let's crack on with it. If I Google you and nothing comes up, do you even exist? Well, maybe in the eyes of an existentialist like Descartes, but his digital footprint is still bigger than yours. If you're looking to maximize your business's online visibility, our sponsor Publicize can help. Publicize is a digital communication agency that has helped businesses like yours gain exposure in major online publications for the past decade, increasing your digital share of voice and boosting your SEO efforts. And for a limited time only, exclusive to Brains Bite Back listeners, you can receive an SEO assessment as part of your package for any tier of service at no extra charge with this special promotion. To find out more, visit publicize.co slash BBB. Uh, Rose, would you be able to tell our listeners who you are and your background in psychology, please? Sure. Uh, my name is Rosemary Ward. Uh, I got my PhD in what's called experimental psychology, uh, which back in the day, experimental psychology meant you worked with rats, but I didn't. Um, I got it from the University of Rhode Island, and I worked with students who consume too much alcohol and other kind of health-related behaviors. So my degree says experimental psychology, but it's really closer to health psychology. I am currently the associate dean of the graduate school at Miami University, which is not in Florida. It's uh, Miami of Ohio. So we have to say Ohio. And if I would probably lose my job if I didn't follow up with the next tagline, which was Miami was a university before Florida was a state. So we, uh, I have definitely, I have a, a nice, strong kind of psychology and statistics background, but with a health focus. Awesome. Excellent. Well, that shines a little bit more light on, obviously, the background to, to this study. 
And I have to say, I'm a huge psychology nerd. Um, my degree was in psychology and I got into podcasting and now I, I do this. But every day, almost religiously, I follow Reddit's subreddit for psychology. And I came across your study and I thought it was really interesting. And I also thought it'd be a great fit for the show because it does, um, it has a great balance of like psychology and technology kind of involved with the way that you kind of conducted this. Definitely. So yeah, you're on the show today to discuss your study conducted analyzing the prevalence of publicly available tweets in the USA re referencing alcohol induced blackouts prior to and during the COVID-19 outbreak. Can you explain what a blackout tweet is and what it might look like? Like, what were you looking for there? Sure. So first I'm going to just start by defining what a blackout is. Because what's interesting about alcohol-related blackouts is that when you say blackout or somebody says blackout drunk, which is what they would tweet about commonly, they really just mean really, really, really heavily intoxicated. Or for some people, when they say blackout drunk, they mean they passed out. But a blackout is this idea that you have alcohol-induced amnesia. So you are drinking so much that you can't transfer the memories from your short-term memory to your long-term memory. So you are actively wide awake walking around, but so drunk that you're not storing any of the memories. So we went into Twitter and we've done a series of studies, my colleagues, Jennifer Morell and Ben Riordan in Australia, looking at tweets and specifically blackout tweets. And what's interesting is you have to like, you have to look at them because it's Twitter. People can put whatever they want out there. And they do, they talk about blackout curtains. They talk about black ops with, you know, video games. They talk about, um, blackout games for like dressing all in black for a sporting event. And so you have to be really, really careful about how you sort it. And so the first couple steps of our study is really doing that kind of sorting through the data to make sure we're getting alcohol data and we're getting something that references alcohol related blackouts. And so a blackout tweet, <laughs> some of them say things like um, blackout Rosemary, it was added again. I can't believe she did that someone tell someone stop her next time and so we have this alter ego about blackout insert your name and i find those tweets to be most fascinating because it kind of like absolves the person like they're talking about themselves like we all know you're talking about yourself and yet like it's like oh if i tweet about it it's like a joke and it, people can be like their alter ego like it's some superhero when they're so drunk like a jackal and hyde sort of situation yeah. yes definitely so you mentioned briefly there kind of like the mythology of like what you classified as like a blackout tweet but i'm also interested in understanding like the tool you used i saw in the methodology of the study you stated that you used crimson hexagons foresight tool to access all original english tweets written in the usa that reference alcohol related blackouts in 2019 and 2020 like how does this tool work and how did you like manage to grab these tweets because i can't imagine the, with the amount of prodigious like or the huge amount of tweets out there it's like how do you even start with that and how does a tool even get started well so crimson hexagon it's not normally used for research the way we did it it's used more for social marketing because it's a machine learning technique in which they pull all the tweets and they use algorithms to find tweets that meet a certain criteria so we set up our criteria to be blacked out blacking out you know all the different derivatives of the word black and what how people use the word blackout whether it's one word or two words whether it's a hashtag or not and so it looked for all the english 
tweets that had that and it calls so you said there's a lot of tweets out there yeah so roughly each day there are between a um, 500 million to a billion tweets generated mm. and so of those tweets about roughly two percent of them which is still a huge number reference alcohol and so <laughs> we first narrowed it i mean like think about that like 500 million up. so you're getting so much information out there that you can't just possibly do a search and then go through them and do the study so we use this tool to help us kind of collate it down so we can actually knock out the ones people talking about blackout curtains which who knew those were so popular so they must be there must be a whole bunch of people that don't like the sunlight or have young children um but even when there's a, like a blackout, like certain countries have had energy blackouts, we had to make sure we got those out of the pool too. So we use the tool to again, go through millions of tweets to call it down to just the ones talking about alcohol. Yeah, I can imagine that would have been a long and laborious and a tough job. It's yeah, a good thing got you got that tool. to read that many tweets? Yeah. <laughs> so I'd love to know as well, like what did this study show? I'm, I'm pretty sure this will probably like absorb the the majority of our conversation because I'm super interested to hear what, what came from this. Well, what was interesting is the time period that we were looking at is we looked at the same time period at the beginning of 2019 and the beginning of 2020. And so we used that so we there wouldn't be any kind of history effects. Like we know a lot of colleges in the United States have spring breaks and so you're going to see more tweets and more social media activity around alcohol during that time. And so we kind of wanted to play that out. But at the same time in the US, roughly about mid-March to the beginning of April is also when we got all the stay-at-home orders and kind of you reside in residence ideas. And so it was going to be, okay, can we look at this and see January, February, March, April, is there any fluctuation in the blackout tweets? Well, there were more tweets generated during that time anyway in 2020 versus 2019. And there were more blackout tweets generated in that time as well. And so what's interesting is you're at home, you can't go to the bar, you can't have large parties, spring breaks have been canceled, and yet people are still tweeting about drinking like a lot of alcohol. And so thinking about how alcohol relates to your immune system and your susceptibility to COVID, but also this whole idea is your home you're home like with just a few people and you're drinking a lot. Mm. That's kind of dangerous. And so that was what was the big take home message for us is that people were still, people are still reporting on Twitter that they're drinking a lot during the COVID pandemic. Do you think that it was like almost a coping mechanism or do you, have you got any suspicion or not suspicions, but assumptions yourself as to why people were turning to, to alcohol and then, drinking in such excess? I do think it's a little bit of coping. I also think it was an unprecedented situation. And so we sought to have online Zoom quarantine parties. We sought to like something to make us feel. It's interesting because we think of alcohol as something that numbs us and kind of like either enhances that positive mood or helps us cope with that negative mood. But right now in the pandemic, we're all more stress, the reports are that we're having more anxiety, more stress, more depression. And so people want to feel something and, you know, alcohol makes you feel good. And so I think that's part of it is just getting out of that numbness and feeling something different. Hmm. 
Yeah, no, I, I can definitely understand. I actually remember seeing a video before, or a news report anyway, before at the start of the quarantine, which is funny. And they say that there's long, long lines and it's not for the things that you'd expect. It's not for toilet paper or food or alcohol. And in fact, it was long lines at dispensaries. So you've obviously got the same thing with like marijuana users as well. And they interviewed some of them and they were like, yeah, I don't want to run out and be stuck at home. So clearly like people are like using that as a, as a coping mechanism as well. It's not water. It's not canned goods. It's not toilet paper. It's marijuana. And you kind of touched well, on but it. you can buy alcohol online. Yeah. So in the US, you can buy it online. And we saw sales of online alcohol skyrocket. Yeah. Did you, were you able to see like specific locations? Like when you, was, was there like a geographical like hotspots for this kind of activity? Was that possible or was that not uh, able in this study? Um, so we did look at that in a separate paper that we're working on right now. We worked on it based on state. And so, Different states are more wet, drink more than others. And so we kind of controlled for that a little bit. So it wasn't just like, oh, we know the state drinks more than others. So let's like, of course, you're going to have more tweets there. But we also know certain states also have a higher social media output. So we're still working on that. But there are some trends of, yeah, you're more likely to see some blackout tweets in certain states than others. Which, uh, we're, which... we're still working on that. Do you know which states like to drink the most? Uh, yes. <laughs> Northeast uh, U.S. is pretty much known for a pretty strong <laughs> drinking culture. Yeah. Uh, there are so other little hot pockets too, but like, yeah. Think of it in terms of like certain ones that have more college towns or just higher proportion of, you know, those people from 20 to 35, you're going to see <laughs> Once again, thank you to our sponsor, Publicize. Visit their website if you want to find out more about their PR for growth packages, their free resources, or even schedule a call. And for a limited time only, exclusive to Brainspike Back listeners, you can receive an SEO assessment as part of your package for any tier of service at no extra charge with this special promotion. To find out more, visit publicize.co slash BBB. we kind of touched upon it ever so slightly but i'd love to know like outside of what we mentioned do you see any like wider implications of this study and what we can learn from it as a society sure um in terms of broader implications the the big thing for me is here we are talking about covid and its impact on our healthcare system and yet we're not talking about some of those kind of ancillary things that happen when you are home alone or you're socially isolated or the only way you can connect with people is via a screen. And, and some of that is substance use. You mentioned marijuana. It's not just marijuana and alcohol. It's other substances that put us at risk because nobody's around. So mm -hmm. when is somebody going to like, I hate to say it, but the big parties for college students were great in that multiple people could see you if something went wrong mm. versus now that we're having this more isolated, potentially isolated drinking culture, we're putting people at risk that we wouldn't have. And in addition to just like those high risk situations, there's two parts of being in a social situation, that norm of like, you want to be that party person. So some people overindulge because they're around people, but some people moderate their drinking a little bit more because they don't want to be seen as that, you know, someone who can't hold their, their liquor or their alcohol. Uh, so without kind of those social constraints, we, we are putting ourselves at not only risk for a lot of injuries and other mishaps. Yeah. 
I'm curious to know as well if this has an impact on the risk for developing addiction because obviously like if this is a result of the circumstances then perhaps it might not be as bad perhaps like we come out of quarantine life eventually one day gets back to normal and um yeah and then (laughs) i suppose the people that are engaging in this blackout drinking that might go with the quarantine because i do remember and i don't know you might know this better than i do but i think i remember at university i was told by one of my lecturers that in the vietnam war soldiers used like heroin or opium out there and then when they returned back to the u.s they didn't use it the reason being is because they were out there as a different situation different scenario different circumstances and even though it's something that's incredibly addictive they managed to kind of leave that kind of like substance use there because it was a different state it was it was something separate yeah i'd be very curious to know if uh, what the likeliness of developing addiction as a result of these habits would be during quarantine and then post-quarantine? So Sam, I think that's a really interesting question. I think the difference between the Vietnam War and the heroin use and the opiate use is that like those drugs aren't readily accessible. In the United States, there you can, at least in the state of Ohio right now, you can go into a gas station and get your alcohol, get your cup of coffee and get some gas. Like you can't like it's so accessible. So I think it's a little bit different there. In addition to that, there's it's around with the first um, wave of SARS in 2002, and um, I'm blanking on the second illness. It wasn't another coronavirus like SARS, but China did a couple uh, different uh, studies there. And what we saw is the healthcare workers who used alcohol during that time period actually were more likely five years post the pan post that um, epidemic to be using it at detrimental levels. And so we do see, at least from history, that maybe not as much much as we have in global kind of lockdown right now, Mm. but on a smaller scale where SARS was really impacting China, the healthcare workers, yes, ended up having alcohol issues afterwards. Wow, that's scary. So on a slightly more positive note, I hope anyway. <laughs> what 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 is your plan for the future? Like, do you have any more studies like this coming up, or do you have any other kind of research you're working on, which is perhaps in this kind of field of research, or anything similar, or anything else really for that matter? Sure. So we have a couple. Um, we have a paper that's under review right now that kind of talks about some of those themes in the alcohol-related blackouts, and so like the alter ego is one of them. The other one is this idea about people feeling bad about losing their memories in their tweets. And so they'll say things like, I really need to stop blacking out at concerts, the whole point of going to see an artist, and I'm too drunk to remember most of it. Like all kinds of interesting, I mean, people tweet the darndest things. Like I cannot even believe how open they are on Twitter. And so we are looking at some of those themes. Another big one that we um, just released in the same journal that we did the COVID one is about uh, New Zealand had a referendum to legalize marijuana for the first time. Um, uh, So not medical marijuana, but recreational marijuana. And that referendum just closed on, uh, so in the US our Saturday. And um, we won't know the results of that for three weeks, but what we've been doing is tracking people's tweets and other social media posts about whether they were pro or against the referendum to see if we could predict the outcome. And so we got that kind of 
sent out there a little bit early so that we can make some early predictions and then follow it all the way up to the announcement to see how well we did that versus the polls. So we're trying to use social media as a way to be a marker of people's behaviors because you can ask surveys and people can lie, but you can't ask surveys and get 4.7 million tweets. Like you can't get that level of like global understanding from doing surveys. And so this is a way for us to kind of track some even quick changes in behavior, whether it's the marijuana views or these alcohol views in a way without having to even talk to people, which, you know, for an introvert, that kind of works for me. Awesome. Yeah, I got to say, there's so much data out there on the internet that it almost feels like wasted if it's not put to this kind of use. Yeah, for sure. And actually, I saw the New Zealand study on um, the psychology Reddit. I remember reading that one. So it's cool to know you're working on that as well. I think that I'd, yeah, I'd be really interested to see how that turns out. And on that kind of note, if people do want to follow you or keep up with what you're doing and the work you're doing, is there any way they can do that? So I am on Twitter. So I am Ward, so W-A-R-D-R-M-1 on Twitter. In addition, I have a active Google Scholar account and an active account on ResearchGate as well. Awesome. Rose, thank you so much for joining me today. I uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. If I had a last orders bell, I would ring it because this is the end, unfortunately. But don't worry, you can find many more of our episodes just like this at sociable.co along with other interesting and compelling articles. And you can also follow and subscribe to us on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. And as always, leave us a comment or a review on YouTube, Twitter, or iTunes. Take care and drink responsibly.